Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. children <laughs> sorry we had fun last week i can't promise you we're gonna have as much fun this week sorry there should probably be laws about how much fun i had last week though so although we are gonna have some fun because we're gonna deal with one of my favorite bible stories today and again i say we and it's not just the other voices in my head i'm over here blue's over there hey there and we're here to tell you that the battle lines have always been drawn for sure and we're going to give you an example of that. And we're going to give you an example of that from top five favorite narrative portions of Scripture. Like, yeah, there are other Bible stuff. verses that I think are I, I like better, but they're not narrative. I'm trying to actually, now that I'm thinking about that out loud, I'm trying to think what I would put ahead of this as far as my favorite narrative portions of Scripture. Hmm. And I don't, <clears throat> off the top of my head, 
I don't know if I have something that I actually like better. That's strictly narrative. I thought maybe if you count Nehemiah 13 as strictly narrative, I was just going to say, what about one. Nehemiah? But yeah. But I don't know if that's really. But so okay, that's definitely number one. This might be a hard. This might be a close second though. We are in 1 Kings 22, because we're going to have fun today talking about our good old persecution friends. Yay! Persecution. Yes, and not like in the 4th century out in Rome somewhere, like actually in the United States. This will be half the fun. But before we get there, we want to give you a worldview primer. That's what we're looking at, unless you want to be really, really highly intellectual about it, in which case we will give you a worldview primer. Primer. <laughs> yeah, I never, yeah. <laughs> Now that you say that, you're right. No, you know what the difference is? Hmm. People who say primer pronounce the name as Baal. People who say primer always make sure to say Baal. <laughs> you know I'm right. You are. You are. There's no. You always get that one that. professor in a class is like, and then they were engaged in the false worship of the fake god Baal, and you're like, what's a Baal? Oh, you oh. you mean Baal? <laughs> that was a comedian years ago. He was talking about um watching hockey. And he was watching um, this, uh, I forget what, I can't remember who he was on. It might have been the Red Wings. I can't remember now. Um, he was talking about the goalie was just crazy. And he couldn't follow the announcers because there's so many French-Canadian names and Canadian names and American names and Russian names. And But he's like, these announcers keep talking about this Wah dude. And he's like, and the only guy I can pay attention to is Roy. And that's Patrick Wah is the goalie. He's French-Canadian goalie. Wah, R-O-I. But in French-Canadian, it's Wah. I'm like, dude, your name is Roy, but it's pronounced Wah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, Hall of Fame goalie, one of the best goalies of all time, Patrick Wah, but it's spelled Roy. Yeah. That's one of the great lines, lessons of history, is if you want to learn French, learn Spanish and speak it in cursive, and you will have French. Really? Yes, there you go. <laughs> As soon as you figure out to speak in cursive, you will understand French pronunciations. Because, which, if you ever want a fun video, I know we haven't started anything of use yet. Yeah, well, you can't. That's half the joke because French pronunciations make no sense unless you are well embedded in the French language. Mm -hmm. But there's this video I found years ago of a native French speaker pronouncing Midwestern towns because so many of the Midwestern towns are f borrowed from French. Oh, yeah. And, but nobody in the Midwest pronounces anything like it's supposed to be. So, like, it's Madrid, Spain, but it's New Madrid in Missouri. And it's Cairo, Egypt, but it's Cairo, Illinois, <laughs> even though they're all spelled the same. Oh, yes, and there's... Um, oh, and, like, the one that's in the news this week is, um, it's, you know, there's Palestine. Yeah. Unless you're in Ohio and it's New Palestine. There's a bunch of these. What's the? It's Marseille, right? And in Illinois, they pronounce it Marseille. I was just gonna say that. I, <laughs> yeah. I I did some work down there, and if you mispronounce that just and use you. the French pronunciation, they'll they'll correct yeah, they will you. They'll correct you. We do not say it that Marseilles. way. Marseilles. <laughs> but this French guy is trying to pronounce all these names, so he's see, they they put up Des Moines, and he's like Des Moines. Woo! <laughs> he his finger up like yeah and then des plains was like des planiers <laughs> like i can't speak i can't do it i can't do it yeah french pronunciations make no sense unless you're capable of swallowing every third quarter of a syllable <laughs> <laughs> so there you go go look up that video you will enjoy yourself and have some fun in the meantime we will be in first kings chapter 22 my as of today second favorite narrative passage of scripture 
Three years passed without war between Arab and Israel. So we are in the section of Elijah's ministry where Israel is basically at war with Aram every 20 minutes. Except for this little break here. In the third year, Jehoshaphat, which is my favorite king of Judah, by the way. Simply because when I was a kid, I thought that was a made-up term. Because people would be like, jump in Jehoshaphat. And I'm like, that's just a thing you say. And then you start reading your Bible. And you're like, that's a dude's. Like, it doesn't sound like it should be a dude's name, but it's a dude's name. Right. Of all the names in the Bible, though, doesn't Jehoshaphat just sound like the one that was the most, like, made up just to make fun of somebody? One of them. See, I mean. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of them. I mean, you know, every... Every Sunday when you come across one and you're like, well, there's one you could use for a name. That- and I encourage that. Jehoshaphat I don't encourage. Like, no. There, no good comes from naming your kids Jehoshaphat. Okay. Don't, don't do that. There's better names to pick. There are much better names to pick. Okay, so that's not one of the lists. No, no, no. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Now, quick aside, just so you know, Jehoshaphat is on our short list of non-evil kings. And if you're looking at the kings of Judah and Israel in totality... Yeah, there's no shortage of bad ones, huh? Yeah, like pretty much every king in Israel is evil. About half of the kings of Judah are evil. And then about of the other half that are not evil, 90% of them are just okay. And then there's like a couple actually good ones. I mean, that's like basically what? Hezekiah, Josiah, and you can't even put Joash on the list because he started out good and would have been a good king. Mm-hmm. But no, no, Joash doesn't remove the high places either. No, and he goes part way, and then and then he kills his stepfather's kid. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's see these these are the train wrecks that are in charge of this place. It's just humanity in general. I think it's well, the train wreck. Yeah, that's basically what I think you learn from the kingdom here. So Jehoshaphat though is on the list of non-evil kings, but he's on the list of okay kings. So he himself is a is a righteous follower as much as you would expect someone in this time period to be a righteous follower. But he is not, as you as the Levites would have been at Mount, at Mount Sinai, he is not zealous for the Lord in prosecuting idolatry and sin in the kingdom. Not okay. the way he should be. Fair, fair, fair no, sure. statement? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But if you were going to pick kings, like if you were picking kings for dodgeball, like Je- the guy. Jehoshaphat's one of the guys you'd pick. Yeah, you'd want him on like your team, you, huh? you'd, you'd want somebody else to get stuck with Manasseh. <laughs> okay. Like, you're not picking Manasseh. Like, that dude's, like, evil, evil. Jehoshaphat's one of the kings you would actively pick, but he's not as good as he should be. Just disclaimer. Now, the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we are still doing nothing to take it out of the hand of the king of Aram? Remember, this is the lesson from going all the way back to Deuteronomy. You see this in the book of Judges. As you are a faithless people, God sends foreign armies chipping away at the territory. You see this during the reign of Saul as the Philistines basically own more of Israel than the Israelites do. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing this now with Ahab, who is king of Israel, which, by the way, Ahab might be like the only king who's worse than Manasseh. I mean, as all the good kings are compared to David, basically all the bad kings are compared to Ahab. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's like, don't, kids, don't, don't be, be like, like Ahab. Don't, yeah. Yeah, when you grow up, you don't want to be like Ahab. So he's upset about Ramoth Gilead. And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people is your people. My horses is your horses. First of all, no. The answer should have been no. That, that would have been the first thing. But second, okay, whatever. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. 
this is where, again, I give you the half credit for Jehoshaphat. Right. Yeah, I would love to go into battle against the Aramites and win some territory back for the people of God. But let's make sure God's on board with this plan. Because this would be a bad thing to go into battle when God goes, don't go into battle. <laughs> right. That, that doesn't end well. When God says don't go into battle and you go into battle, you, you know what usually happens? You lose. You and all your people die. And if you're king in Judah and you want to continue being king in Judah, you don't want to be dead with all of your people. So let's ask God first. I mean, that's how it works. Well put. Dead I mean, people don't get to be king anymore. Right? No, you're right. <laughs> 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 then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Four hundred prophets. It's a lot. 400. My thing is this. Are they just growing false prophets in Israel? I mean, seriously, didn't, didn't Elijah... There were schools of them. Didn't Elijah just kill, like, a few hundred of these dudes? Like, chucking them off the mountain on Mount Carmel? Those, that was just a few chapters are, ago. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, we're, they were chucking them off the mountain like they were nothing, and now we got 400 more dudes to lie to the king. This is... But those were the those false prophets, prophets of, of Baal. Baal. Yeah. Baal. Baal. <laughs> thought I'd throw that in there. Baal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're going to be pretentious today. From New rule, if you're going to say Baal, you have to say picky up. <laughs> right. <laughs> the false prophets of Baal. <laughs> picky up. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know there's a false prophets of Baal and all, but at the same token... You'd think that'd be a lesson. Like, here's Elijah running around freeing Israel, you know, killing prophets, having the Israelites chuck them off mountains, and you're just like, eh, we're just going to chill in the court of the king, lie to him, feels like feels like a good time. I mean, unless they're actually convinced they're hearing from God, which is probably even more dangerous. Or the king just wants his, you know, if this one doesn't tell him what he wants to hear, he'll go to the next one until he gets the message he's looking for, maybe. Oh, I, I don't know. I get that, but at the same token, like, at some point you're going to be wrong, and the king's going to be dead. Now what? Like even, then you're even all the, out of jobs. Even the magicians of Pharaoh were like, we're out, dude. We got nothing for this. We're not going to war against God here. We can't. Yeah, can't <laughs> the, even. There is no fear of God before their eyes here at all. Mm. There's just This is just open blasphemy and idolatry. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Jehoshaphat said, is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Jehoshaphat's looking at these dudes going, I've met a prophet of God. These are these not These are not prophets of God. This, this is why this is my favorite passage. Well, my second favorite passage in the Old Testament. You ready? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. We got one, but I hate him. Right. Oh, when I read this, I thought of... You, you've talked about this a I, couple I, I, times. I love this passage. I hate this guy. He never tells me anything good. Yeah. I hate him. Why do I hate him? Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. So just process how messed up the king of Israel is here. Process how messed up Ahab is. Yes, we have a prophet of Yahweh, but I don't like talking to him because I don't like this guy because he never says anything good about me. Spoiler alert. What does that actually say about you, Ahab? Yes, we have one. No, I don't like talking to him. Why not? Because he always tells me bad things. <laughs> Nerve. Now, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, I'm sorry, <clears throat> I lost my spot. Uh, but Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. <laughs> Is that like the polite way of being like, um, at this point, if you're Jehoshaphat, shouldn't you, shouldn't you just be packing your army up and taking off? Like the one prophet of Yahweh in Israel is constantly saying bad things about the dude you're getting ready to partner with. This yeah. is not a good plan. 
Right. This is this is not a good plan. This is not even like A team quality planning. There's no one in the corner smoking a cigar planning this out. <laughs> you don't have Mr. T getting put on a helicopter. This is not going to end well for you. The king of Israel called and said, "Bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlah." Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them. So these guys are all like, oh, I can imagine dancing around, chanting and singing, and it's got to look a little bit kind of like Exodus thirty-two there, doesn't it? When when Moses comes back down the mountain. Oh yeah, yeah. Wonder if that's an intentional illusion there. <sighs> then Zedekiah, the son of Kanaana, Kanaana. Because there's two A's there, so Kana Ana. <laughs> that sounds like another made-up name. Yeah. You have to admit, that one was just put in there to mess with people. Like, how many syllables can we give this kid? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hebrew. I don't have any major problems with Hebrew, but as languages go, it is exceptionally annoying when you're trying to pronounce it because it doesn't sound like anything else. Right. With The only thing Hebrew has ever sounded close to is if you ever try to do, like, um, oh, my goodness, uh, old Middle English names and pronunciations and old um, Welsh and, and Irish names where they've got these, like, the double consonants because you have to say both of them while swallowing the vowel sound. and Oh, yeah, I'm terrible it, at pronouncing names most of the time, but, yeah, these are even harder. I mean, and, it, and the problem is, at least in Hebrew, it would make more sense because the vowel breaks would be there to give you a pause point. In English, they really should um, use the apostrophes more to let you know about the double vowels and things. And that's been my one complaint about English translations with these is they don't give you that benefit. And so people just get burned down in the pronunciations because they're like, I don't know how to say any of these and I don't want to play this game anymore. This is not fun. As the computer is fighting with me. Go away! It just popped up something. Go away! Okay, fine. <laughs> there we go, finally. I win. So, uh, Zedekiah, the son of Kanaanah, made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you will gore the Arameans until they are consumed. Well, that escalated quickly. All the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So these 400 dudes are laying it on a little thick. Right. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king, as if that should matter anything. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Like, seriously, that's not how prophecy from God is supposed to work. <laughs> Hey, we've all agreed what the message should should be, so do us a favor and why don't you shut up and get in line. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how this is supposed to go. Man, this is crazy. This is like um, um, Balak. Like, if I pay you more money, will you curse my enemies? Right. <laughs> Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I shall speak. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and succeed and the Lord will give it into your hand, into the hand of the king. Pause. Micaiah walked in, delivered the message just like the other 400 prophets because he doesn't want to deal with this anymore. I imagine Micaiah is just like an old man who just wants people to get off of his lawn. At this point. Just, just get off my lawn. Get, get off my lawn. Leave me alone. Go put me back in jail. Give me my three hots and a cot and I'm done here. I don't want to play anymore. 
This is why I love this passage. <laughs> the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Like Ahab, you just got the thing you wanted to hear. Just take and the you, gloves off now. And you know it's mm-hmm. a lie. Mm-hmm. He told you exactly what you wanted to hear, and you know that it's a lie. Think about that. Mm. How depraved, how hard of heart, how wicked, pick your description, do you have to be to be at this point and be like, we know you're lying. We know God didn't actually say that. <laughs> I mean... Right, because he knows he's been living a certain way. So and, what's the point of the other 400 dudes dancing around and crafting horns of iron? Which, by the way, that that can't be a short, quick process. No. Could it? I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it doesn't it, give you a time frame here, but you're right. Is dude sitting there with a forge in the middle of the meeting place at the city? He's like, hold on, I got a great one for you. This is going to be so awesome. <laughs> you know, doing the little paddle wheel thing, Forging. grinding that, them down. It, yeah. It requires melting down yeah, like, metal. Uh, and, yeah. and what would that smell like? And then pounding it into the shape Yeah, like, see over there, hold up, I got this great, I, I got a great image for you. It's just going to be like another... 20 minutes. Hold up. (laughs) Breathe. Have some popcorn. (laughs) So Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? (laughs) Dude, seriously, dude, you didn't want to hear from him. Then you called for him. You called for him. He told you what you wanted to hear. You called him a liar. He told you the truth. And then you're like, see, never anything good to say about me. He just had something good to say about you and you wouldn't accept it. Right, because he knew, he knew. If you're ever wondering, if you're ever wondering why Paul can write what he writes in Romans 1, about how they are without excuse because that which they know about God, they rejected unrighteousness. I think that's a pretty good example this of it right there. This is what this looks like. Yeah. And by the way, this is the example you have throughout Scripture. Pharaoh, the great example of the hardness of heart, which by the way, the answer to the question is yes. The question that everybody asks, well, did Pharaoh harden his heart or did God harden Pharaoh's heart? The answer is yes. Both and. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh calls for Moses to be like, um, intercede for the Lord on my behalf and get out. <laughs> Like, pray for me if you don't mind before you leave. Like, he recognizes he's warring against a a powerful deity that he cannot conquer. But he is unwilling to submit. Solomon wasn't unaware when he went into all of those marriages. Ahab is not unaware of the life that he leads. Herod, for all of his building and all of his pride and all of his bravado, was not unaware of the wickedness of his actions. None of these people are unaware. Not the first one. Yeah. I always I always get a kick out of um good point. ancient history for this. Because if you um, if you ever do any reading on the uh the Roman Republic, the late Roman Republic, one, you'll be frightened by how many parallel parallels there are to the world in which you live now. But two, what's always fascinating to me is how much all of the guys that are corrupt and know they're corrupt and they're engaged in mob violence and bribery and corruption are going out of their way to present themselves as something else. Like, they know that if word got around en masse as to what kind of people they were, there would be, like, rebellion and murder in the streets. But they're not going to stop. 
And these guys who are wealthy and could just retire off into the countryside and be rich and do whatever they want can't help themselves but try to gain just a little bit more power. One more time in the sun. I mean, it's genuinely frightening how dark their souls actually are in that regard. And it's and I point that out because it's not just biblical characters. This is the story of humanity. This is the nature. This is why I tell you all the time that Ecclesiastes is always in effect. It is always in effect. There is nothing new under the sun. And the lie of the modern world is that <clears throat> excuse me. The lie of the modern world is that we're we have progressed beyond that. We have enlightened ourselves beyond those baser instincts. Yeah. We are better than this. What does the scripture say? Pride comes before the fall? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the moral of the story is that we're actually not better than mm. this. We think the tyrannies of dictators and mass murderers of the past and persecutions of the church are things that are symbolic of a brutish time that is done away with because we have Starbucks and the internet. Human nature at its core hasn't changed. Yeah. We've just gotten better at plastering over its rough edges in the public square. For all of our access to information, what we've really done is hide our baser natures from one another and sanitized it. I mean, right. a great case in point is, if you talk to anyone, well, almost anyone, I'm talking probably 90% of the public, if you talk to 90% of the public and ask them what war looks like in the modern world, they would tell you, well, I watched it on CNN back in the 90s, and it looks like us dropping these precision smart bombs on buildings, and that was 30 years ago. Who knows what the technology is now? We can probably, you know, shoot some dude out a window and not even, you know, be around for it and all that. And... <clears throat> And we have all these satellites and communications and drones and everything's just, it's neat and it's clean and it's not the way it used to be. It's always the way it used to be. Always. Yeah, I was just, what came to my mind was uh, in Syria when they went after, what was his name, Muammar Gaddafi? Mm -mm. Don't watch that video, kids. Yeah. There's it, actually a video of when It is. When That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's, he's pleading for his life, and then they're dragging his lifeless body around. And it, yeah. it's one of the most brutal things I've ever seen on the Internet. Case in point, I, I use mean, I, we talked about this in Sunday school on Sunday. Uh -huh. um, there's this uh, Russian group that has been offering uh, pardons to Russian prisoners if they will join this paramilitary group and fight on the front lines in Ukraine for six months. And they had you know thousands of people initially sign up because you know you can go in there and get the drug dealers and the killers and the, the hardened criminals and put them on the front lines, guys who know how to fight and you know don't really care about shooting you in the face, and they're good with that. Mm -hmm. Um, they can't get anybody to sign up anymore because word's gotten back to the prisons that the, the conditions on the front lines are so bad that people are rather choosing to stay in Russian prison than go fight for six months in Ukraine. No kidding. Now, the people who invented the gulag, <laughs> you're like, no, 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 I'd rather stay in your prisons than go fight in that war. I'm good. Well, these guys, these prisoners are all ex-soldiers too, so it's not like they're not trained it's it you, yeah. you have to serve but in the realize military. you'd rather spend the, your years in a russian prison right right than go take your chances on the front lines of a modern war yeah. what does that tell you about modern warfare see this is this is the dirty little secret as war gets more technology mm -hmm. it doesn't get neater and cleaner it gets uglier this is one of those great lessons from world war one is um there was somebody at the uh, door it's probably one of my kids 
Oh. World War One broke people for the simple fact that they hadn't caught up to the technology. And so World War One, you have like nerve gas and machine guns. You also still had cavalry charges. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the bizarre things. And to give you an idea about the stubborn stupidity of humanity is you would think – so, like, you're the British or you're the French, and you have cavalry. And when I say cavalry, I mean, like, dudes Horses mounted and... on horseback with sabers. Yep. And you've got a 200-yard field in front of you, and there's the Germans on the other side with a machine gun nest. And you mount up, and you charge. Well, you know what happens. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a carnage for Two sure. Two machine guns wipe out an entire regiment of cavalry. You know that happened more than once. You would think if you did that one time, you'd be like, oh, okay, die. Guys, time out time out this is not working this, this is probably not a good plan and before we get a bunch of more people and horses shot up we let's let's rethink how we do this no no they they did it multiple times before they're like hey we need a new idea that's the depravity of human nature we don't care yep. and when i say we i mean humanity as a whole we don't care we haven't changed this is the brutality of humanity it's just most of us live in a world in which, again, we have Starbucks and the Internet, so we're not exposed to this on a regular basis. Now. Yeah, people are in for a rude awakening once it hits the mainland. You know that's what I mean? my point. If they ever have to, like the good old days, defend yourself yeah. like that. I try not to think about it. Yeah. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because just like we think we're better and nicer and cleaner, we also think we're more enlightened than we used to be. And we think that we can think through and we can evaluate and that the propaganda doesn't get to us when I got really bad news for you. (laughs) Here's a story for this week, and this one goes back to last month, but it's still worthwhile. Cell phone vitter. Cell phone vitter. Cell phone video captured a confrontation involving Mall of America security guard telling a man wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt that his shirt is offending shoppers at the famously large mall in Bloomington, Minnesota. And the guard ordered the man to remove the shirt or leave the mall. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. (laughs) Nice, nice intro. I thought you'd like that. Yeah. The back of the man's shirt reads, Jesus is the only way, and includes the well-known coexist symbol crossed out. Now, you're going, what does this have to do with the stubbornness of Ahab? Well, again, the stubbornness of Ahab is the stubbornness of humanity. The sinfulness of Ahab is the sinfulness of humanity. And the same pagan urges that drive him to despise the prophecy of the Lord, even though he knows what's true and what's false, are the same urges that would later drive the Roman persecutions of Christians which are the same urges that would then drive the Roman Catholic persecution of Protestants, Mm -hmm. which are the same urges that are going to drive modern humanity. They haven't changed. They're not better. They're not more enlightened. We have not progressed to a higher plane of being. We are simply the same brutes we have always been, just repackaged in better clothing. That's pretty much it. And the better clothing part could be debatable. <laughs> right. I was thinking, I've seen some people dress pretty funny lately. Jesus is associated with religion. Imagine that. And it's offending people, the security guard tells the man in one clip, adding that people have been offended. Dun, dun, dun. Now, you know, I didn't think about this earlier. I just thought of this. So because I just thought of this, I'm going to claim that it's a good point, and I'm going I'm to make it right now. Okay. Remember how we always talk about that? Remember the video from a couple years ago? We've talked about this a few times. The duh. I love Jesus, but I hate going to church. And we talk about it's right. a relationship, not a religion. Right. When the answer is no, it's both. Yeah. 
the pagans. Jesus is associated with religion. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's yep. offensive. Christian, Christian, realize that, that Jesus is associated with religion. Mm-hmm. Yes, your religion should have a relational component because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but you are part of a religion. There are rites and rituals that you are commanded to partake of. Mm. Now, when I say that, people start freaking out because they're like, wait a minute, does that mean we got to go like get like Pope hats and pray in Latin? No. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Although, I mean, if the Lutherans are going, yes, yes, and the Anglicans are going, duh, have you seen our services? Mm-hmm. No, no. When I say rites and rituals, I don't mean like the Greek Orthodox incense censor, which how they have not knocked somebody out with that puppy. Have you ever seen how they swing that thing? I have. It's like a mace in a medieval battle. Have you seen their baptismals? <clears throat> those things are violent. Those infant baptismals. That I- is brutal. They're I- like... Like, face first, like, giving that kid a swirly. Yeah. If you don't know what a swirly is, kids, don't Google that either. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Because they dunk you, like, multiple times. And if, worse than infants, have you seen when they do it to adults? I've not seen like, an if adult. You're not, like, if you get chrismated into the Eastern Orthodox Church, I don't get on these topics. <laughs> if you get chrismated in, if you're not warned, like, I've seen a few videos where they're told they're going to baptize you and they don't realize that they do it three times. And it's basically like like a face to the a pie to the face in the baptismal if you're not paying attention. And these people are basically being waterboarded <laughs> as they're coming into the church. It is a violent process for sure. But if you ever see the videos where they're swinging that incense sensor coming into the beginning of the service, how have they not killed somebody? And I'm serious about that. I don't trust that tiny little watch right. battery chain thing they got going on. <laughs> Holding like 28 pounds of incense and it looks like something a cheap pocket watch is held by. I'm going to have to look it up. You know there's a video somewhere of that thing snap in mid-service and conking some sweet little old Greek lady upside the head. You know that's out there somewhere. Some little Russian woman in her little babushka, you know, go, whack! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, no, when we talk about ritual and religion and right, we don't mean that. We mean things like, um, Christian, you will be known by your love. That's part of right. your religious expression. Studying the scripture is part of your religious expression. The actual assembling of the body for discipleship and training and prayer is your right and ritual. You don't get to go it alone. That's one of the most depressing things about surveys. Have you ever see surveys that include like regular church attenders? Always realize that the vast majority of those surveys, unless they tell you differently, define a regular church attender as 26 Sundays a year. Yeah, that's about half. <laughs> I was going to say there's... Yeah, 20 to 30 Sundays a year on average is considered a regular attender. So if you're in church about every other Sunday or so. Okay. Not accounting for vacations and and illnesses and stuff like that. So that's not religious ritual. That's not what it's supposed to look like. It's actually supposed to look like you following the commands of Christ, the gathering with the one another, the being discipled, the making disciples, the praying, the fellowshipping, the all of those things. That's part of your Christian expression. Mm-hmm. The pagans get that. Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. Now the guy responds, I didn't say anything though. I didn't speak. I didn't say anything. I just went to Macy's, which that's probably his first mistake. Like, is there anything good in Macy's anymore? I haven't been to a Macy's in so long. I they're very expensive. I used to be able to buy Dockers there for like thirty bucks. Now they're probably one hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah, and they're, they're very expensive. Ordering online has cured me of going to Macy's. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I know what size I am, and I just order online now. It's easier. <laughs> the guard ads again. I'm giving you a couple options. Take the shirt off. 
and you can go to Macy's and you can do your shopping or you can leave the mall, okay? Those are your only options right now. <laughs> Take the shirt off. <laughs> you will be hysterical. Is he should because he does have a shirt on underneath. It'd be hysterical if the shirt underneath said the exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> See, that's the type of trolling I'm here for. That's that's the next video. I well, need when to you say. say Minnesota, I think of the guys at the football stadiums with the painted on whatever. Yeah, that's okay. And, you and, can wear that to the mall. But you know what I mean. Yeah, the, so the, the so the he takes horns. his yeah right, or he takes his shirt off and it's it's painted on his body and yes. Yeah, Minnesota. 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 Yeah. He's, he's in Bloomington, Minnesota. Eh. Hey. <laughs> oh, that's Canadian. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, didn't you see our press secretary? Canadia. Oh. Canadian. She actually said that in an interview. Like, nice. I say that jokingly, but I was like, oh, it's official. It's Canadian. The White House said Canadia. That's what it is from now on. <laughs> the man asks, what's wrong with the shirt? And the guard replies, with his voice still raised, that it's a religion that it's religious soliciting there is no soliciting allowed on mall property which is private property the guard adds we've had guests come up and say that they've been offended by your shirt take the shirt off and you can go shopping so again you can't just walk around the mall wearing the shirt now what i love is i have this marked in here because i went hunting around snopes actually right. has an article on this right okay yeah that's hysterical to me that it was remember how long ago was it when Snopes was actually, like, something you could trust? Something legit? I yeah. don't know. Like, that used to be the thing. Like, somebody would tell you, hey, you ever hear about that person who was murdered with an axe? And then you're like, let me Google it on Snopes. And they're like, no, no, see, Snopes says it's fake, which meant it was fake because you could trust it. Now Snopes is like, um, yeah, no. No, it's Canada because that's what's written in the documents. And even though they said Canada, that doesn't count. <laughs> Why not? Because we said so. Mm. They're watching dinosaurs. The We Say So Corporation has spoken. <laughs> Nice. We concluded that this story from The Blaze was missing at least one key piece of information. You ready? This is oh, yeah, Snopes yeah, yeah. is telling you this is a bad story because this is the information that was missing. The missing detail, this was not the first time the man who later said he had been passing out gospel tracts to mall guests on a daily basis had been approached by security officials to be informed of the company's rules on solicitation. So the mall's defenses, and the reason why this story is misleading is other times this guy has shown up and handed out tracks. But he wasn't handing out tracks. Mm -mm. He was just there to shop. He's just there to shop wearing his Jesus shirt. Yep. <clears throat> Which means, you know what? This guy's gospel tracks must be pretty good. If they're willing to, like, chuck him out. Right. This guy's tracks must be on point. We should probably order some of this dude's tracks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> This has gospel information. It's telling me about Jesus. This can't be allowed. It's offensive. Yes, it's offensive. Mm -hmm. The Mall of America actually released a statement. The guest referenced in the video was approached by Mall of America security on January 7th, 2023. I'm surprised there's not a timestamp in there. One week prior, he was issued a 24-hour trespass for soliciting guests. After a brief interaction, the guest was not required to change his shirt and was allowed to remain at the mall. Well, that makes everything okay. Doesn't it make everything better? Oh, yeah. I feel so much better about now, that. In, now, in everybody's defense, there is actually a picture of the security guard and the dude in the shirt, like, hugging and, like, being buddies afterwards. So he was allowed to keep the shirt. He was allowed to keep shopping because he hadn't done anything to violate the terms. Mm -hmm. I think what's telling, though, is that the reason he has to change the shirt is because the shirt is offending people. The argument that he's not soliciting anything is not good enough. The message is offensive, and it must stop. 
Now you're saying, but, 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 and, I, and I'm going to agree with all the buts that they didn't throw him out, they didn't make him change the shirt this time. This oh, time. I see it. Oh, did you find a picture? Yeah. Yeah, and the yellow is like a neon-looking color. Yeah, it's it's bright. You can't miss it. Dude dude went out of his way to be seen. I got the back part of it, too, with the coexist. With the coexist marked out, yeah. It's, an, it's, it's, it's snazzy. I like it. I like his style. Yep. Hey, I approve this message. Yep. <laughs> yep. This is better than he gets us. Because <laughs> they're back in the news this week after the Super Bowl. But anyway, go find the previous episode we did on that. That's yeah. all I can handle with them. Why do I bring this up, though? I say this time because the base nature of humanity hasn't changed. And yes, there was some backlash. Yes, there was some outrage over this. But when they do it again next time, the majority of people are going to go, well, you knew better, and they warned you once before, so what'd you go back for? Mm-hmm. And then when they throw them out the next time, well, see, they threw you out last time. What'd you think was going to happen? And then pretty soon, you're just not allowed. Because we're going to ensure that we can construct our world apart from Jesus. Why? Always remember what the gospel does. No, I don't want to go call the prophet of Yahweh. He never says anything good. And then when the prophet of Yahweh says something good, the answer is, I know you're lying. Right. That's the world. That's the world. This is why Paul warns Timothy that they will accumulate for themselves false teachers that will do what? Scratch their itching ears. They will have their ears tickled. They will get what they want and be told what they want to hear. Because they don't want the truth, because they already know the truth. And because they have not been set free by the Son, they remain slaves in the house. And because they are slaves to sin, the message of the gospel is not deliverance to their hearts and souls. For sure. It is bondage and a beating. Now, the comfort for the Christian is we still have to proclaim it because it's the only message that changes the hearts and minds of men. It's the only message that actually sets them free and gives them hope and peace. But at the same time, recognize that this world, as it is currently operating, isn't going to get better in this regard. For sure. One of the things I was thinking about, and it just came to me, um, and I just looked it up to verify, but it was in, in Matthew 10, 10, 34. Jesus is talking about, you know, the gospel, and he says, but whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my father. And then he says something like this. He says, don't assume that I've come to bring peace mm-hmm. but to the earth, but I've come to bring, not to bring peace, but a sword. So the gospel's going to it's going to cause yes. it's going to cause people to break out that sword and if the gospel isn't actually being a problem it's because it's not actually being the gospel. Right. Right. And, if and, it's not offensive then that means it's probably more like the world than it is the truth. He gets us as what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help myself there. All right, no more picking on them. I'm yeah. going to leave that one alone. That's a good one. <clears throat> this is so this is the part of the lie that we tell ourselves in the world. is that Because at the end of the day, people want to be peaceful, right? People want to live in peace. They want to live in harmony. I don't want to go to war with the world on a daily basis. Well, but, but recognize that we're not given that option. And that when you are tempted to hide the gospel, and when you are tempted to adjust the gospel or adjust the presentation of the gospel so that it will not be as offensive as it's supposed to be, you're giving in to your base nature. And you are actually failing at being the salt and the light that we are called to be. And that's the danger that we have in the world because our world has lied and said that we're, we're polite now and we're calm now and we don't do that sort of thing now. No, the only reason they're not doing that sort of thing now is because too often the message hasn't preached now. 
Well, that's one of the reasons why I like when I was reading what passage you chose. I liked that passage because in the passage, the world are like those false prophets. Mm-hmm. And when the prophet of God came in, just tell them this. <laughs> just tell them what he wants. You know, just tell them we've all agreed. This is this is the story. What I love though is that when he does that, they all know he's lying. Right. Right. So they know the truth. Yeah, they know the truth. <laughs> they know the truth. The mall security guard knows the truth. Right. Mall of America knows the truth. That's not a cover. Well, we threw him out last week, so why'd you throw him out this week? Uh... He keeps telling the truth. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> I'm going to get a button for that. Right? Yeah. How dare you? You've stolen our innocence. <laughs> but this is... They want to be left to their own lasciviousness. They don't Agreed. want to be. They don't want to look in that mirror. But realize that as the world has gotten more pagan, can we stipulate that the pagan, the evil, dark pagan elements of the world are more at the surface now than they were forty years ago? Right. Right. I totally. We agree. can agree with that. Yeah. Right? Oh yes. Okay. As those elements have become more mainstream and been brought more to the surface, has the world become more accepting of diversity of ideas? Only if you're going along with their idea. Which means, which which is not any diversity at all. Right. So in other words, just tell us what we want to hear and everything will be fine. They want freedom of speech not for everyone except yeah. for Christians. So as, this, as the paganism has come more to the surface, they have not become more accepting of the different viewpoints. They've actually, in my argument, would be they've become more hostile to the truth. Yeah. So what you're actually seeing is the more that they've gotten in trust, you're going to the more they've gotten in touch with their true selves, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more they've been allowed to just do them and to be themselves out in the open, the, the less they actually want to hear the truth, the less they actually want to tolerate the truth, the more likely they are to be like Ahab throwing the prophet of God in prison than they are the enlightened world that has open and reason debate. Mm. Mm. And that's part of the that's part of that's the part of the seesaw ride that we're on right now is we've had a polite society mm-hmm. because we've lied to ourselves about our society. And as our baser instincts are indulged, and again, when I say our, I mean all of humanity. As the baser instincts of humanity are indulged in public, that politeness is going to go away, and it's going to go away quickly. And you're going to see a lot more of this type of scenario where, no, 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 that shirt you have that's got the name of your church on it, that's bad, and it's got to go, and you can't come in here. And if you don't think they're actually going to do that, um, go put on the news, say, circa August 2020, and watch some of the videos about what happened if people refused to wear their masks properly at Walmart and see how they were treated mm-hmm. and see how they were yelled at and see how people were followed around and altercations that broke out. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and realize yeah, yeah. That, was over some, yep. that was over something that was marginally effective at best and was borderline a talisman at worst. Well, now, what's people gonna, were demonized for... What's going to happen, though, when the demonization is not over a health concern, right? but actual demons? But it's over the actual doctrine of demons, which is what the gospel message is bringing to the surface and exposing. Mm-hmm. What, what are the demonic elements going to do when it's no longer about a third thing, but it's actually cutting them to the core? Do you think they're going to be nicer about that? No. And this is where the discourse of our public world has gone. And this is why I remind you that human nature hasn't changed. Don't be shocked by the anger and the vitriol and the hatred and the violence that comes as we become a more pagan society because that's what pagan societies do. Just because they have iPhones and Starbucks doesn't mean they're going to be more polite. 
They might have pinky up as they persecute you, but they're still going to throw you in jail. <laughs> they're still going to yell at you. They're still going to fight you. It may be a politer fight. Maybe they don't punch as hard as they would have back in the day when they knew how to fight. But at the same token, it's still going to be... You're suddenly picturing those Antifa guys, aren't you? Yep, I sure. <laughs> <laughs> you brute, you beast. <laughs> Sorry. I can't take a bunch of 120-pound, like, white college kids from Antifa seriously. I can't. I just can't do it. Every time just I don't watch, turn your back on them. And every time I see those videos you. in Portland, I'm like, seriously, dudes? Like, seriously? This is this is what you got? It's like some skinny dude with a skateboard. Yeah. What? No, that's not how this is supposed to go. But, but seriously, while you may mock them and not think they're the toughest things in the world, it's the same anger. It's the same hatred. It's the same vitriol. The modern world hasn't changed. Now, that said... I know that's a lot of the bad news. We have a little bit of time for the good news. Okay. They haven't changed, but neither has the gospel. And the power of the gospel that changes hearts and minds and mm -hmm. uplifts nations is the same gospel that was preached then is the same gospel that's preached today. And the same power in the Holy Spirit that transformed your heart and mind is the same gospel as is proclaimed that transforms their heart and mind. May not be it everyone you want it to be. May not be as quickly as you would like it to work, but it is God's kingdom being built on God's timing. And the weapon against that anger and hatred and paganism is not a violent one. I didn't say don't defend yourself. <clears throat> but our weapon is actually the continued and even increased and aggressiveness proclamation of the thing they don't want you to proclaim anymore. It is a, this will be a picture for you, it is the violent living out of Christian principles. Now again, what were our Christian principles? What were our rites and rituals? love of neighbor, discipleship, reading of scripture, prayer, gathering with the saints, being discipled. How do you violently live those things out? You do not allow the world to take them from you at any cost. Mm -hmm. To be zealous about it. Yes. Yeah. These are the things that, no, there is no taking them from me. These are the things that are the non-negotiables of my faith. I will read the word of my God. I will pray to him, and I will fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and you can't stop me. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you try to do to stop me, my answer is no, because I will worship and serve him. You decide whether it's right to listen to you or to God. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that was the proclamation of, yeah. of the app. Well, or, know, the apostles, and then and, and I think some of the things that you were referring to the, might have been from Daniel. The other top, that's it, from yeah. the other top five narrative portion. Oh, King, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter, for our God is able to save. There it is. But even, even if, if he, he does it. not, yeah. we will not worship or serve the image that that's you right. have made. Yeah, you can kill me today, but yeah. even, even, God even can you kill save, me. God can deliver us from this problem, but, but yeah. even if he doesn't, our answer is no. Mm -hmm. that's, so, what, that's how we should that's our resolve that is your, that should be our resolve that is your violently living out your faith in this world that is how you actually match their violence you don't match them on the physical level you match them on the spiritual level again i didn't say don't defend yourself christian prepare yourself you might actually have to go into legitimate battle in this world sorry mm. i gotta say that like i'm scottish we've got to go into battle <laughs> <laughs> but at the same token you do that with a mind towards who christ is and what he has called you to Absolutely. So, now, I'm going to actually have a tease because I have the best story next week and we're going to have so much fun with it. I'm not telling you what it is yet. Because I actually have two stories and I'm only going to give you one ahead of time. Okay. Because it's going to be so much fun. So you have been warned. Um, it's it's a sad story, but we'll have some fun with, with the reasoning behind it. So you have been warned about next week. We will have fun with it. Is there anything else we need to cover this week? Have we covered everything? We I solved we all the Western Civilization's problems? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, good yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. So what have we learned here today, children? 
Darkness hates the light. Always has. Always will. Conflict is therefore inevitable, and we must be certain as to why we stand and what we're standing for. So, tell your friends and neighbors, prepare yourself. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.